On today's episode, we are talking the top 12 dynasty tight ends. So in the second part of a four-part series where we examine the positional groups in dynasty fantasy football, we're going to take a look at our top 12 tight ends, and we're going to answer the question, is Dawson Knox a top 12 dynasty tight end? I'm Avery Huffman. I'm here with Nathan Schmidt. Hey, hey. And Simon Denny. Welcome back. Welcome to Dynasty Domain. All right, let's get into it, and we're going to start with our trade scenario of the week, and I think you got this one for us, Simon. Oh, yeah. So this is our favorite, C.D. Lamb, which will be going to Team 1. Okay. And Team 2 is getting Deontay Johnson out of Pittsburgh and Elijah Mitchell. What do you think, Nathan? Oh, man. Well, this is kind of playing with my heartstrings because I am a lover of C.D. Lamb. I I just... I do. I mean, we we heard this in our in the wide receiver rankings last week. Um, I value him very highly. I think he has a lot of potential, and just um, with the firepower, offensive firepower that the Cowboys have, you know, we don't really have to go through this again. But I love him. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I don't love as much. He's still a wide receiver one in my eyes. Um, and Elijah Mitchell, I think is, I think he's pretty underrated um, when it comes to what he's capable of doing. Uh, my, my first thought when I heard this offer was I'm taking Deontay and I'm taking Elijah Mitchell. If I'm a win now team, yep. I stand by that. Yep. If I'm uh, rebuilding, yep. that, I, I'm probably taking the CD. I may, I may try to steal a second. That is my answer too. I think well, I couldn't, so. I couldn't figure out. I'm like, okay, cause I like Deontay Johnson. I'm looking at Deontay Johnson. I'm saying, I'd like to have him on my team. And even Elijah Mitchell, like, you know, that's not, you know, that's not like an elite tier running back, but that's definitely somebody, you know, is going to get starting reps and starting carries in San Francisco. So that's valuable. I mean, that, that does make him valuable. And, um, I finally figured out my answer is if I'm contending, I'm taking Deontay Johnson and Elijah Mitchell there, because I do think number one, Deontay Johnson isn't that old. So even, even though he's a good contending piece, he's actually just a good dynasty piece in general, because yeah, he's, he's not still, old at all. he's still got yeah. some, like, I mean, he's, he's only 25, isn't he? Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, and then Elijah Mitchell obviously is young and a productive running back already, and he's in a good situation, so I think I'm definitely taking that. I think even as a um, – if I were a, you know, more of a, a soft rebuild where you know maybe I'm rebuilding and trying to reload for next year, maybe I'm still considering taking the Deontay side. But if I'm like in a, a straight-up like – productive struggle rebuild like i think it's gonna be hard not to take cd lamb with because you know that he has the potential to, to blossom up in that top tier wide receivers we've talked about it i mean you know you know that's the possibility so yeah his upside compared to deontay and elijah mitchell um even though yes i absolutely. appreciate their production his uh, cd's upside is just so much greater well, yeah i 100 percent agree with you there yeah simon what do you think well my only knock on this is elijah mitchell i'm not a huge fan he was hmm. a was he a sixth round okay. pick last year and yeah. um, yes. one thing we like to look at with our running backs is their draft capital because they're, they're it's so easy to draft those late running backs and they're so replaceable because there was nothing spectacular about them coming out of college. Um, and while Elijah Mitchell has looked like a good, complete running back in the NFL, he's he's good. He's pretty solid all around. Um, it, it's still pretty easy and, and the 49ers aren't even going to be hurt that much by going in and taking another running back in the second or i mean probably not in the second but in the third round this year 
or, or even they have Trey Sermon still. So it's pretty easy to replace Elijah Mitchell, and you could see him pretty easily be losing a lot of his fantasy value as he shares that backfield already with um, Debo Samuel and, uh, and Trey Lance. So uh, I, I disagree. I don't think he's overvalued by any means. Um, mostly just you got to remember he was, he was a late-round running back, and there was a reason he was drafted that late in the first place, and uh, it could come back to bite him if you're investing heavily. Yeah. My one counter to that, though, would be, I, I, I guess, uh, a semi-counter is James Robinson. Of course, he was replaced. Yeah, they sort replaced of by him ETN. the next year. Now, Arian Foster is probably the biggest undrafted running back probably in, in recent years yeah. that has just been one of the, the most elite running backs when it comes to fantasy production and in the NFL in general. Um, and he lasted for quite a while. So Yeah. But uh, even... Again, I'm not saying Elijah Mitchell is an Arian Foster, but... There are draft capital doesn't always say everything, and I actually kind of like the system that Elijah Mitchell is in in San Fran. It doesn't uh, like I don't think he'll ever be a top two running back that you're going to want to start uh, all the time. But as a flex option, it's pretty solid. I don't know. I'd, I'd start, start him as yeah. a top two running back. I, I just in dynasty moving forward, we look at Miles Gaskin even two years ago, where he's a wasn't I think he was an RB one or at least a high-end RB2 but he was one of those late round draft picks and they, they replaced him pretty quickly even last year the the Dolphins were looking to move, move up and take Javante Williams in the beginning of the second round because those late round draft yeah. picks the team knows that they're not the long-term solution right. and so they're not investing in them long-term right. they're, they're already right. looking they, to find someone yeah, else. They didn't give up much to begin with yep. to acquire them so why would they give up more to hold on to a guy that doesn't have the upside that an yes. early round running back could get them in the future. I understand that. This is interesting. Uh, off the top of your head, which side do you think wins on keep trade cut? Oh, uh, probably, probably CD. CD. By well, okay. yeah. 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 So I'll read you the sides, the Deontay Johnson, Elijah Mitchell side, uh, from a points perspective, 9,471 CD lamb, 7,009. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think we've talked about this before, I, I guess maybe the, it would kind of be a surprise for some people, but yep. in general, Deontay is, uh, as you said, Avery is probably a little bit undervalued and he's not probably. even, they uh, have him at wide receiver 15, but the interesting yeah, thing here, but yeah. the interesting thing here is that CD lamb is wide receiver three on keep trade gut. Again, yeah, and, wow, and this still says it's like not even close. It's, it's ahead not even, of AJ Brown. Even. Then, so I that's interesting. I, yeah. I think, I think where that comes down to, I think the difference here. But honestly, I think you know they have Elijah Mitchell at RB twenty two. I think that's a good range for no, Elijah Mitchell. No, that's good. That's good. I like that. So that's really interesting that the, that trade calculator that they have at Keep Trade Cut has that at that lopsided. I think really, it's pretty close. I think that's very. Even. I mean, really close. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard for me to pick a side there. So that is also yeah. interesting there. Uh, obviously, you know, we say this all the time. You're doing a trade like this. You look at, you know, who's the best player in the trade. It's obviously CD Lamb. But at the same time, you know, you've got two solid contender pieces there. Like, you know, I think you've got to think about it. But I think, you know, that's one of those trades where situationally, you know, depending on what, what you're doing with your team and if you're contending, you're probably not going to go wrong either way there unless, you know, you're just making a boneheaded move, which I really don't think one side is. So, um, all right, let's... Uh, go ahead and get into our content for today but before we do big announcement yes we actually have a really big announcement uh for all of you who are listening we really do appreciate you listening and we are fortunate enough to be able to expand dynasty domain a little bit so um 
we are announcing that the Dynasty Domain community will now have a Locals page. So what this is, uh, if you're not familiar with Locals, it's similar to Patreon, but it's just where we're going to be able to put all of our content, all of our information. We're going to have rankings and weekly shorts and monthly research projects, among a lot of other things. Uh, that's So it's going to be your expanded home for uh, in-depth Dynasty fantasy football analysis. So we're really excited about that. Um, get, want to talk about it a little bit more, Nathan? Uh, yeah, so I'm just I'm personally so excited to get this started. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get this kicked off um, very soon this month. Uh, we've got uh, two different subscriptions that you can get. So our first one is uh, two dollars a month, and that has our positional rankings, our um, weekly shorts. So that's the cost of two McChicken sandwiches per two month. Two McChicken sandwiches. Yeah, that's yes. really cheap. Yeah. So like, so and and disclaimer here we're not really doing this to profit at all because we have like maybe 60 bucks of overhead expenses a month right now. And so we're really just doing this to pay <laughs> off like those 60 bucks. So obviously with two bucks a month and you know, at the moment, 50 people in our leagues, 50 listeners or so, yeah, it'll be worth that. You know, cash. we're not, yeah, we're not pocketing a bunch of cash here. Uh, two McChickens a month and you can get positional rankings. And we spend a crap ton amount of time on this. I mean, we a have lot. to go through and grind through some of this stuff. And yeah. the research, I, I can guarantee you it's going to be quality research. Sorry, yes. so go ahead. Yeah, Nathan. anyways, these positional rankings, we're going to keep updated for you on a weekly basis. Um, our shorts, obviously, are going to be your host's individual takes on all things Dynasty. We're going to talk about individual players, the three of us, whatever players we want to talk about on a week-to-week basis. And we're going to give our own just biased opinions yeah and uh you guys take those with a grain of salt have a good time with them and uh use those opinions to uh help you be better in your in your league that you're in 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 your dynasty league uh we're also going to have real-time real-life dynasty league recaps and analysis this Um, is fun this is really going to be um some extra bonus content mainly during the regular season um, the three of us are in a lot of leagues and we're just gonna, uh, here and there, we're going to walk through, uh, some of the things that have been going in, in our leagues. We're going to talk about GMs of the week. We're going to talk about players of the week. We're going to talk about, uh, yeah. just everything <clears throat> dynasty. Yeah. And honestly, like, a, you know, with that, you know, so we're all the, each of us individually are running a league and, um, then we have one league that we're all in together. So, uh, what we're going to do, we just, it's a gr- already a great community and we have such good, uh, such good people in our, our leagues already that if you're in one of those leagues, you're going to have the opportunity to have access to this stuff. Uh, and we're going to go through every week and we're just going to, we're going to really break down what's going on in the league. It's going to make it even more engaging and fun to play like dynasty football in our leagues. It's going to be what makes our leagues, you know, more fun than other leagues. Like we have to do something that sets us apart. Uh, so that's obviously going to be included in there um, as well. So, yeah. And on top of that, we've got uh, some, we've got premium access that we're also offering. If you want to be a premium member of the domain on locals, uh, that will be, that will cost you five McNuggets a month. McChickens. McChickens. I'm sorry. That's a, an expensive McNugget. Yeah. Five right. McNuggets. No, so McChickens. that's five bucks. Yeah. Yeah, five bucks. It's five dollars. It's one one dollar <laughs> for a McChicken. You know, yeah. these days, equivalent to a gallon of gas, right? Right. Well, there you go. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Um, monthly what? articles containing oh. in-depth statistical analysis on players. Uh, those are going to be our big, uh, n- well, not super long articles, um, but they're going to be 
those articles that we're spending a lot more time in. They're going to be as impartial as possible. Yeah, and the three based. of us, yeah, very st- statistically based. And the three of us are going to work on those together. We'll have one of those a month. And those are for premium access members only. Ooh, do we want to tell um, them what our first one's going to be on? Go for it. This is going to be fun. All right. So our first one is going to be um, our research on whether you should be investing in fantasy stacks or not. So let's say uh, the wide receiver stack, wide receiver QB stack of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Is it worth really going out and investing in? How much is it going to help you versus getting another random wide receiver and not a only quarterback is, not at only the is same it level? worth it, but is it smart? Yeah. Like, is it yes. a good investment? What, yeah. What's the payout of that versus another equivalent wide receiver and QB of the same tier? And is it smarter to just go out and get those players, or is it the best statistical for statistically for you to stack them? Yeah, so it's it's going to be a great resource for you guys that want to take a uh, that want to be a part of that. On top of that, we also want to just personalize it more for you who have decided to be uh, premium members, and we're going to offer trade scenario advice. Uh, you just throw in your trade scenario, and we're going to help you out with that and yep. give our takes on what we think you should be doing when you're offered that or are offering that. And on top of that, we're also going to uh, give you some personalized roster analysis if you would like as well. Yeah, so I I think those are two of the really important ones here. You know, if you're if you're you're going to pay five McChickens a month for this um, because, you know, I think trading is a huge part of the offseason. And I think, you know, for the last two or three months, that's the, been our, the main thing we've been doing with our teams. And some people are not offseason traders, but even when you get in season, like I think the ability to, you know, send us a, a DM and, and get a response from all three of us who do this all the time, get that right away for your fantasy team. Like it's going to give you some massive advantages because you know we're you know not only taking our own opinions but we're spending a lot of time gathering other data and opinions uh so we have a pretty good grasp on on some of the trade uh trade scenarios that come our way and so you know for you to be able to you know with the click of a button send us a trade scenario for us to break it down for you within you know hours that's i think that's going to put people at a huge advantage i think i think that in itself is going to be one of our great one of our best like offered products there yeah so uh yeah that's and then the personalized roster analysis you know i think that's good to you know break down uh what you need what what we think what you need need. if you're on the right trajectory you know what 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 is your trajectory yeah so um i like i like everything about this um i think it's gonna be super fun uh, that it can be found at dynastydomain.locals.com uh we're gonna start putting our first content out this week yeah so. and we'll be tweeting all this information out um also so tell your friends when you hear this and um we're gonna we're gonna advertise this as much as we can for quite a while because we want to help you guys out as much as we can um as the season inches closer and closer yeah and like i said we're not doing this to profit because honestly you know at two dollars a month is not you know do the math not making a ton of money on this, but we're doing it for fun and we have, you know, some of the extra time and resources and we've already invested so much into it. Uh, we want to do it. So, uh, like I said, dynastydomain.locals.com, check it out. We're going to have stuff on there as early as this week. You're going to hear more about it and, but just become a part of a great dynasty community. I think that in and of itself is, is an extreme, uh, advantage when it comes to dynasty fantasy football. So obviously excited about that. Let's get into tight ends. So oh, this is going to be so much fun. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do the same thing we did last week. Um, we are going to go through and give our individual rankings real quick, and then we'll give our composite rankings. Uh, this one, you know, honestly, these aren't that far off either. They didn't end up being no, that far we, off. My goodness. We have the same top four. Yeah. Looking and then, at that. And it's impressive. Yeah. And then I go messing it up with my five. Yeah. Yeah. Simon. Even at that point, though, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we have some interesting discussions here. 
this is going to be a fun one. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give mine first. Uh, my Here is my top 12 tight ends in Dynasty. Um, so at number one, Kyle Pitts. At number two, Mark Andrews. Number three, I have TJ Hawkinson. Number four, I got Kittle. Number five, Darren Waller. Six, Travis Kelsey. Seven, Dallas Goddard. Eight, Pat Fryermuth. Nine, Cole Komet. Ten, Dalton Schultz. Eleven, Mike Gusecki. Twelve, Noah Font. Okay? All right, Simon, you're up next. All right, so my top four are the same as Avery. Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, and George Kittle. Coming in at five, I got the old but gold Travis Kelsey. Six, Darren Waller. Seven, Dallas Goddard. Nine, uh, ooh, eight is Pat Fryermuth. Nine is Dalton Schultz. Ten, Cole Komet. Noah Font. Mike Gusecki. Oh, yeah, Mike Gusecki at 12. There we go. Yeah. Nathan? Nice, nice. So for me, nothing different here in one through four. I've got Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, and George Kittle. At five, I've got Darren Waller. Six, Travis Kelsey. Seven, Dallas Goddard. Eight, Dalton Schultz. Nine, Pat Fryermuth. Ten, Mike Gusecki. Eleven, Cole Komet. And twelve, Noah Font. All right, and our Dynasty Domain composite top 12. So this is our official top 12 tight ends from Dynasty Domain as of April of the 2022 offseason. Number one, we have Kyle Pitts as the number one prospect tight end-wise in Dynasty football. At number two, we have Mark Andrews. At three, TJ Hawkinson. And at four, George Kittle. Uh, Number five, we have Darren Waller. Number six, Travis Kelsey. Seven is Dallas Goddard. Eight, Pat Fryermuth. Nine, Dalton Schultz. Ten, Cole Komet. Eleven, Mike Gusecki. And 12, Noah Font. All right. You know what I didn't, or, or what I just noticed about this, is we didn't have, none of us had any players that the others didn't have in, in our, our in our 12. top 12, yeah. as opposed to uh, the Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin yeah. hairiness that we had yeah. there. I think we, I think we agree pretty yeah. pretty well on this one. None yeah. of us uh, like Dawson Knox. Uh, so yeah, so let's talk about yeah. that. Right up, let's just get, let's that, address let's, Dawson let's, Knox. Let's get yeah. that right up front. Yeah. Uh, Dawson Knox sucks. Yeah, he's nah. he's he's Doesn't not the suck. tight end I'm chasing in in Dynasty. Yeah, he does not suck. I'm obviously exaggerating, but um, Avery's very opinionated on Dawson Knox. Not really. I mean, I have him at the same spot you guys do, <laughs> but you're like strongly yeah. against. We him. all have him at 13. We all have him in the same yes, spot. I'm yes. just as strong as you guys. <laughs> I was yeah. just, I just no, saying I, he sucks for fun. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah, but in all reality, I think he sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he. Did get left out of our top 12, though, and he I did. think that's notable. So the guys, you know, towards the end here, uh, we were going to talk about them more, but Cole Komet, Mike Gusecki, and Noah Font. Uh, we've talked about Dawson Knox, you know, in some of our earlier episodes, and I just think, and I think we all share this opinion that just his, his, oh, man. His production is unsustainable. His production is not sustainable. You look at his, his touchdown rate. Uh, and even just his target rate. Like, I mean, the man is, is not getting mega targets like you need from a tight end in a tight end premium league like you need those targets because you are starting one tight end and if it's going to be a top 12 tight end that means in on one of the 12 teams he's going to be worthy of having a starting position at this point i cannot 
I, I don't think we can say that he's worthy of one of those spots. And it's in large in part because Buffalo, the way they used him in the offense last year, is as a red zone option. They used him a ton. He ended up with a ton of touchdowns. But if you look at the games where he didn't, we've actually got some good data on this. So I have a lot of statistics. Simon, I'll let you start. Let's lay out our data. Yeah. Like, so we're not just going to say, you know, Dustin Knox is in top 12. All right, let's get to our top 12. So uh, we've got, we're going to back up our stuff. We're going to start at 13. Go, yeah. So go ahead, yeah. Simon. Give us some, give us some information on this one. So um, we don't really have a baseline for comparison right now, but uh, Dawson Knox only had 71 targets last year. I think Mike Kosicki had 102 or so, something like 92. Wow. I'm or Dalton Schultz had 100. Anyways, he's at least 20, 30 targets away from these other guys in a similar range, and that's a lot in a tight end premium league because you're getting one and a half points in, in the leagues we play, and you're getting one and a half points per reception compared to one. So that's an extra 40 to 50 points depending Dustin on... Dustin Knox... All right, here... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the guys that were targeted more than Dawson Knox yes. last year. Okay? Mark Andrews, obviously. Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, Mike Gesicki, Kyle Pitts. Zach Ertz. Yep. Not, wow. I, just, just with being on that Philly was for with him being season. on Philly for hey, half the season with hey, Goddard. Wow. Just wait. Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higbee, Noah Font... Cole Komet, Jared Cook, Tyler Conklin, Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryermuth, Evan Ingram, James O'Shaughnessy. Wow. All of those guys had more targets than Dawson Knox. Yeah, that's, that's rough. Dan Arnold, dang near had the same amount of targets as mm-hmm. Dawson Knox. Dan Arnold. He, he, I mean, just to further push Dawson Knox down... He um he he fixed his drops problem from the year before, but yeah, he still kudos, only had he, he only had forty nine receptions on on seventy one targets. So like I remember that <sighs> Patriots Bills game last year in the in the massive storm, and uh, he uh, he dropped like four passes in one game. It was uh, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, and gr- I granted, wipe that out of yeah, I know, but <laughs> consideration. <laughs> uh, he had five hundred forty eight air yards and only five hundred eighty seven rece- receiving yards. So he wasn't even doing much after yardage the catch. is not really there. No, okay. I mean you right. want it, you want a baseline right. of yardage for your tight end. So for instance, I need to amend my statement real quick. Okay, that was that was targets per game. He's still twentieth in total targets, but instead Hunter Henry jumps him, and aye, O'Shaughnessy's aye. not above him. Oh, okay, oh, but targets yeah. per game still still matters, right? Yeah. So because if those guys would have been he's playing, st- all he's year. like I said, he's twentieth in both categories. So it literally proves my point. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I mean. Yeah, he he had nine receiving touchdowns last year. Do we really see that keeping up? The the yardage, nope. the yardage and target it's a baseline too. Like it's not it's not Brian Dable's offense. They no. they it's going to look different. Yeah. I will admit they were really good. I watched quite a bit of Bills games last year. They were really good at coming up with creative ways to use him in the red zone. I think some of the plays they ran for Dawson Knox, like if if that were sustainable, it would it, it, that would be excellent. But here's the thing. I number one. I can almost guarantee you that their offensive playbook is not going to be identical this year. With that being said, you know, they also brought in OJ Howard. And if you don't think OJ Howard's going to get any snaps in Buffalo, you're wrong. You're wrong. Why, yeah. why else would they bring him in? And why would they pay him? Like, you're not bringing in a guy to go sit on the bench. He's he's obviously going up there for a reason. You know that Dawson Knox is not going to be, you know, I don't know what his snap count was, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter because, yeah, I think you're exactly right. He's not He's not reproducing He's not reproducing those numbers, and and they were not good numbers anyways. Take away even three of the touchdowns, and what he slides down quite a bit, right? Yeah. I, I just – I don't understand how people can argue this at this point. I, I do think this is almost pretty cut and dry. Like, I can see how people would say, okay, maybe he's top 
oh, 11? Or we have, yeah, but, top 12. But top, uh, not top 8. No. But for people who have him in like the top 8 of their... I, what are you looking at? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. yeah, and I <clears throat> let's uh, let's let's make this clear. I I was one of the people that I had a hard time leaving Dawson Knox outside of the top twelve until I looked at the numbers and and, and reconsidered the fact that we are looking at tight end premium value, and tight end premium means it means you're getting a point per reception for a tight end, basically a half point over any other reception for a wide receiver or a running back. And that very much boosts the value of a tight end if they're getting the targets that you want them to be getting every every game. That's that's why guys like Darren Waller and, and Kittle and Hawkinson and Mark Andrews are so valuable is because they're putting up so many points every week, even when they don't score touchdowns, because they're getting 10 targets a game. Yeah. And that's that's 10 points. That's that's 10 points just from catching the ball like 10 times. That's not even the yardage on that's top of that. Points. That's not even the touchdowns on top of that. That is that I that's mean, what we're looking for. I think we can, and when Knox only has minimum 2 to 3 opportunities a game, that's like a maximum that's a maximum production a uh, uh, result of like uh, like 15 points and a minimum of zero. Do you and guys, more, more likely than not, it's going to be zero. Do you, so. do you guys agree that targets and receptions, that those are the most important statistics for tight ends for and tight ends, in a tight end yes, premium league? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, Kyle well, Pitts. Then discussion over. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I, I, seriously, yeah. he's not, he's not, those are the two things he's just not getting. Yeah. He's not getting them. I, you can, like I said, it's the, it's the onion rule. It's yeah. the Robert onion rule. You can yeah. score as many touchdowns as you want, but he came out, Robert onion came out the next year and just fell flat yeah. on his and, face. Uh, yeah. We don't want to beat the dead horse with this and we'll kind of, this will probably be a recurring theme as we go into our rankings for tight ends and uh, why we have players over some, why we might not have players over some. Uh, but let's let's jump up to the top. Let's let's talk about who's our one and two, clear cut one and two, and yeah. Why. And when we say clear cut one and two, we mean yeah, these guys are definitely the top two. Uh, number one, Kyle Pitts. Number two, Mark Andrews. Uh, if you're gonna ask if there was any thought about putting Mark Andrews at number one. The answer, you would be right. The answer is unfortunately yes. Uh, no, all of us did rank Kyle Pitts at number one. But so before you go trashing us, and honestly, I don't give a crap. You know, s- s- throw your shade our way. Tell us how stupid we are. But you know what? You know, for you guys to be drafting Kyle Pitts as high as you are, you know, at the end or even in the first round like, of start, within listen, I know he's where the, quarterbacks. Are I know going. he's the most valuable tight end. I get it. But for you, I mean, if you're drafting Kyle Pitts over. You know, Dak over Dak over CD Lamb, even over CD. That's the guy. Is, I was is he going to produce yeah. as much as CD Lamb, even in tight end on a week to week basis? No. Yeah. Are you freaking well, kidding me? There's a chance, it's, but it's it, literally. I, I I just don't get it. That's no. A, I'm going to go with the receiver. Not there. to mention, you know, you're kind of setting yourself up for ambiguity in terms of your yeah. team status. If you're taking Kyle Pitts, you could easily get a cornerstone quarterback or wide receiver there, or even a running back. You know, if you're, ta- I, I'm taking DeAndre Swift over Kyle Pitts still, right? No, what about I, Najee I, Harris? I am, yes. Najee easy. Harris, easy. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> More of the story is we're taking a lot of people 
over Kyle Pitts. So yeah, even even in tight end premium, in the first round, even in tight end premium, it's not enough for me to go taking him over a whole bunch of other players. Because what does that premium at the tight end position really do for your team and, and push in regards to pushing your team? Yes, over uh, other that's teams. That's only do so much. You can pick up a late a in the eighth point. round. You yeah. can pick up Dallas Goddard and have another and have Ceedee Lamb instead of. Um, of, like Deontay Johnson Pitts. is your you know number what? one or something. I think this yeah. is, I think this is, and this is what my my first uh, local short will be on. By the way, is Kyle Pitts. But I'm just kind of sick of the whole thing because I, the the prices that people are paying for Kyle Pitts trade wise is atrocious. It, it's just ridiculous. I mean, not only is you know is it ridiculous and that's just my opinion, but from a a production standpoint, like I think it's downright ridiculous that for you to pay that much for somebody. I mean, like people are paying a lot heavier producers and a lot even young guys young talent for Kyle Pitts but the prices on Kyle Pitts like I'm not, I'm not paying Kyle Pitts prices I'm not I'm I'm telling you right now I'm 100% not going out and looking for Kyle Pitts to tr- get Kyle Pitts in a trade right now because his price is just ridiculous and if you think there's no question about whether he's going to be the best tight end in the league for the next 10 years you're think absolutely again. wrong think again there absolutely is questions how many freaking touchdowns did Kyle Pitts have last year so I, tell me one did one. his quarterback situation that's get why better? it was so scary with Pitts though is he was still tied in five overall okay. with one touchdown I no, I understand yeah. he's still but in, for he's the still next you're right for the next two three years is he's it gonna, gonna get better is Mariota better quarterback irrelevancy no no look no. He's, he's still the number one you know dynasty tight end I get it yeah we're yeah and this isn't like we're throwing a bunch of shade at Kyle Pitts we still have him at number one we're just saying Overall, especially in startup drafts, don't be looking for your cornerstone players that you're going to be building uh, building your team off of. Be Kyle Pitts, dude. Uh, get get a top seven quarterback. Get a get a top three wide receiver. Get a top three four running back. Because have you guys, those are the ones that are. Have you guys ever Simon seen? Simon putting you over the top. Have you guys ever seen a successful dynasty team that was built around a tight end? No. Built around a tight end. How often does that work? Have you seen it? Uh, no. I haven't seen it. I mean, you maybe could maybe say Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that's what I was thinking you too, you two or three years ago. Look, even then you don't build, build around Travis Kelsey. Like, because no. even when Travis Kelsey was good, good, was he wasn't going at the end of the first round of startups, was he? Um, was his ADP ever yeah, that he, high, his overall ADP? Uh, early second round. I mean, is, I, yeah. you, see, you saw people reaging for him there. Yes. Well, er, early second, I think, is not too terrible for Pitts, honestly. He's going... He was like... Look back a year and a half ago, he's going. He was going about where Mark Andrews is now. So mid, which is where I well, think that, tight end should that, be. The honestly, top tight end yeah, should, yeah, should because going. Yeah. I mean, Mark Andrews was scoring on his own as a tight end as much as a lot of those uh, mid, well, high tier wide receivers. So right, the, yeah. Basically, what we're saying is when we have Kyle Pitts number one and Mark Andrews number two, Kyle Pitts should not be a half round or a full round startup. Um, position over Mark Andrews. It should be a one-two, Kyle Pitts, and then Mark Andrews. I mean, again, I mean, Mark Andrews is 26 years old, and his ceiling is 47 points. <laughs> Guess who he scored that against the Colts? Uh, but right. it—that's th- his ceiling, and he's proven it. And he's still incredibly young, and uh, especially for a tight end. So Kyle Pitts, who is historically young, yes, uh, he—we don't know what his ceiling is yet. So uh, we understand that he's number one. No, no problem with that. That's fine. Don't reach for Pitts. That's all we're saying. If Kyle Pitts plays his entire season in London, I want him. 
<laughs> right, because he had a good game in London. That's, I mean, yes. Yeah, I guess it, you're right if he's yeah, you know, playing yeah. in London. Yeah, so let's move on to three and four. I think this is kind of the next tier of uh, tight ends that we're evaluating here. We all collectively have Hawkinson at three and then George Kittle at four. Simon, you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Hmm. Yeah, th- this one was actually super tough for me because we've seen George Kittle just be absolutely dominant and then get hurt and then come back and be dominant again and follow it up with another injury. Um, and then on the other hand, we've seen TJ Hawkinson kind of be that week in, week out. He's pretty consistent. He gets those targets. He's a target hog in that Detroit offense. Um, the problem is... TJ Hawkinson has not topped 100 yards since the first game of his career. Oof. And um, so that stat alone, it was what was really wanting me, you know, pushing me to put George Kittle over him still, Mm -hmm. despite that four years difference. The thing that really kept me from doing that was the Trey Lance situation in... um, in San Francisco, because I think for George Kittle, you could easily see his QB situation getting worse, depending on how Trey Lance is. I don't want to just write him off that he's going to be just the worst quarterback of all time or anything like that. But I think for for Kittle, for the near future, in a lot of outcomes, you see it getting worse. But for Hawkinson, I really only see his QB situation getting better. Nothing but I mean, better. Does it really yeah. get... I mean, yeah. So Goff, Goff has his limitations, but yes. dang, he's he's getting the ball yep. to Hawkinson when Hawkinson's healthy and and, and as yeah. as that Detroit offense gets more weapons to open up the field for TJ Hawkinson to work underneath uh, underneath and across the middle, I think he gets even more dominant. You see um even as Amon Ra started to take command of that offense, imagine putting TJ Hawkinson back in. So when the off- the when the defense is paying attention to these other threats it leaves tj hawkinson open and he can do his work and um all this to say i have some doubts with both of them the injuries versus is he really that elite producer in tj hawkinson's case but right. that's where i took the the four years and in, in the youth and kind of had to fade that injury a little uh, I, I history think, a little bit i think that was so well said and i don't really have much to add to that i think the age the four-year differential is uh probably alone enough for me to put hawkinson over and uh, I think Kittle Kittle's ceiling has it, Kittle's ceiling is pretty much the highest oh, there is so out there. It, it is that of Mark Andrews. Um, Better the the big if is if he's on the field. Yeah. So he is he's elite. He got he has incredible hands. When Kittle is on the field, you are absolutely starting him always, and he is incredibly valuable at all times we're talking three and four these are two of the most valuable tight ends in the nfl but hawkinson yeah like you said i'm, I'm and, just and i'm not writing kittle. george kittle off as george brittle i'm not buying into all that i don't think he's no, no, just no. some no, i i, I even i either. even think if i'm if i'm a competing team and i have like i don't know Devonte adams and cooper cup is my top two wide receivers and and someone offers me a trade of George Kittle for TJ Hawkinson. I'm going to take George Kittle because I know of know his his ceiling. And so for a competing roster, I'm going to probably take Kittle. And yeah. I don't know what you think about that, Avery. But uh, I I know for a fact that I took Hawkinson over Kittle in a draft in a competing roster this year. So I think I could go either way. Uh, I'm not buying into. The, I I just although I have Hawkinson over Kittle. I mean Hawkinson is just as. I I think he's as injury prone as Kittle. I mean. 
Kittle hasn't really missed that many games when yeah. you look at it. Yeah, yeah. Except for it, last it season, seemed, he played eight games. You're right, he that, but that was season. it. Other, yeah. Every other year, he's, he's played 14 or more games, and he's also finished right. as three, two, and five. You know, at overall tight end rankings, like right. in PPR leagues. So I'm not. You know, I think no, it, I, I think it always seems worse than it is with Kittle. Like it always just seems like he's banged up and hurt. But a lot of times he's out in the field. And to be honest, even when he's hurt and he's out in the field, he's still producing a super <laughs> yeah. high level. Right, actually, you're right. It's right. actually ridiculous. Yeah. If he could stay like 100 percent healthy, the man would run. I mean, the, he would be, in my opinion, he he. If he could stay 100 percent healthy, he could be up there with Pitts and Andrews. Yeah, and easy. and that could be a big reason why is Kittle is so good when he's on the field that the only reason people think he's injury prone is because his absence. <laughs> Is so impactful and Hawkinson, you for know, teams that have him in dynasty. Hawkinson, it's like, when is he going to be back? It seems yeah, like didn't forever. He, he, yeah. mi- he missed four games this year. Yeah, four didn't games he break his, his first hand. year yeah, too. He broke his so, hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think they're both like, I think they're actually very similar tight ends. Um, I do think Kittle's ceiling is a little bit higher, but I do think Hawkinson being so young and already pretty being able to produce at this level because he already had a top five tight end season. Uh, that obviously, I think, yeah, I think it's the same thing. It puts me over the edge um, and gives him the edge over Kittle. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, I I think I think we're no 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 you're yeah, right and and even I don't want to seem like I'm nitpicking stats because yeah. even like three years this year T J Hawkinson was uh let's see three years he at least had eighty yards uh, not three years three games he at least had eighty yards he had ninety seven and eighty nine even one game uh, right so it's like he, he's been right there and and people tend to just throw out that stat and say oh he's touchdown dependent or anything like that but he's not. I mean, his first two touchdown games of the year. Touchdown dependent is 15 yards and two touchdowns, yeah. Dawson Knox. Um, but oh, right. over his first two games of the year, and this was obviously not sustainable, but T.J. Harkinson in his first two games had 20 targets, 16 receptions, and two touchdowns in his first two games. And, like, that's his ceiling, and he can do that week in and week yeah, out because he gets I the, the especially, I mean, especially look at – we might be having a different discussion about this. Actually, you know, I don't think it would change a whole lot because he's already up at three, but imagine if, you know, Detroit drafts a quarterback. I mean, that could be a different discussion, too. If they take too. Malik Willis at two. Yeah. Yeah. That would be yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I think Malik Willis at two is becoming a real possibility as we're yes. getting in April here. So uh, I think we all kind of uh, have the same position there. Uh, this is where we have a little bit of a difference here. So, uh, in our composite rankings, Darren Waller is number five and Travis Kelsey is number six. I think this is kind of our next tier. Um, I and Nathan, so Nathan and I both have Darren Waller five, Kelsey six, and Simon, you have Kelsey listed before Waller. So just give us some insight on why you have Kelsey listed before Darren Waller, but I already know what you're going to say. It's because the Raiders have Devontae Adams and they also have whoever, Hannah Renfro and and Josh Jacobs. So the targets there are going to be hard to go around, but go ahead. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. You're right. Um, (laughs) It's a pretty easy one to figure out, but I mean, you just got to, I'm, I'm not ready to, to take Kelsey out of his out of his throne completely i mean he still belongs in that room and and it was too hard for me to take him out of his top five even last year as a 32 year old tight end he was number two in standard number two in ppr he had 134 targets 92 receptions nine touchdowns and and this is his you know one of his down years you know if you look at his pat is his stretch he's had six thousand yard- down yeah. year yeah he's had six thousand yard seasons in a row and uh, <laughs> he's still with those are Hall now, of Fame numbers that yes. you're talking about. Oh, yeah. And he's, Hall of Fame. And he's still with the best quarterback in the league. So, like, I mean, that He still has Patrick Mahomes, yeah. yes. And now he's the obvious number one option. And I could see that going two ways. I could see him getting an extra couple of targets per game because of it. Or you could see him, his age really start to show as he gets the main attention of the defense. And so I'm not... I'm not making fun of anyone who puts him at six and takes Darren Waller over him for that reason. Because Darren Waller is three years younger. He's He's... 
he has other people to take the attention off of him on his defense. And yeah, all, all that yeah. to say, Kelsey, 6,000 yards seasons in a row couldn't, couldn't take him away. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a fine take Simon. And I'm, uh, I'm actually not far behind you. Uh, when, when you say that it was really, really hard, difficult for me to put Waller over Kelsey. Uh, one of the reasons I did keep Waller over Kelsey is, uh, the, the three year gap, which was a big deal. Um, in addition, yes. a lot of people are, uh, I think, lower on Waller because they didn't see much of Waller last season. But look, we at, forget, it, look at the year before. We forget the year before. We yep. forget the beginning of last season where he had 19 targets and a lot, a lot of receptions. That's, yeah. I love that upside. Uh, I think my biggest question is I, I don't question Travis Kelsey's uh, eliteness. <laughs> I think he could be a factor for for the foreseeable future. Um, what, I, what I fear is a Jason Witten sort of situation where he lasts a really long time in the NFL, but he slowly becomes more and more irrelevant in fantasy. And I see Kelsey, um, especially towards the end of the year when I was watching a lot of the Chiefs, he doesn't look like he used yeah, to. I think physically and I think tell, his like... peak, not only athletically, but that this will end up carrying into his production, I think, in fantasy. I think his peak has already been reached, and I think the decline is slowly starting to begin. Yeah. Not saying he's not up there. He's still the top half of, of, of top 12 tight ends, and that's awesome. Um, but Waller, I still think, is there. I still think he's at his peak. I think he has uh, about two years left there, which is why I just have him oh so slightly above Kelsey. Uh, no shade to those who put Kelsey yeah, that's over fine. Waller. So I, Simon, I like your take. I agree with you to an extent, um, but yeah. that's my reasoning why I have Waller over Kelsey. I, I think I, you're the same way, yeah, Avery. I, I pretty much have the same reasoning as you. I think, you know, right now, obviously Kelsey in his prime is not even, I don't think, I think he's a clear advantage over Waller. Uh, since he is a little bit on the decline in terms of you know how how physically um, how physically effective he is, I because I, I think if you watch him, you really do see like okay, Kelsey's not he doesn't have the explosiveness that he did at one point, uh, but he's still he he's obviously still do- dominating dynasty leagues. So I d- I do just think though now that that Waller and Kelsey you know from a from a talent standpoint are probably close to the same spot at this point, and if it's just gonna come down to targets. Uh, it's obviously you're risking if you're taking Waller over Kelsey. You're you're in you're you're gambling that he's gonna get a, a sufficient amount of targets to maintain that that top five pace. But at the same time, I think it's the extra years that put me over. That's just yeah. That's really the yeah. only thing. Like I I don't even think uh, Travis Kelsey's not washed, and whether he will be or not after this year, I can't confidently tell you because I think he could easily be a unicorn and then you know just go a couple more years. Like I said, he's playing with Mahomes. He didn't. From a production standpoint, he hasn't slowed down at all. So who knows? I mean, I I just the yeah. the extra years of Waller, uh, that's what's kind of feel making safer me, about yeah, that. Yeah, I for just sure. I do. Yeah. I just feel a yeah. little bit safer. So, but I actually, you know, I totally agree. I don't I don't blame you for putting Kelsey above Waller. I think they're pretty interchangeable. Actually, and they're in the same tier. Yeah, so. and that's also important. I think that I think it, uh, you know implementing a tier system here is is important as well. Speaking of tier system, let's get to our next tier of guys and uh, let's talk about them. This is where it gets a little bit interesting too as we get into these later guys. Um, so after Travis Kelsey, we have Dow- uh, Dallas Goddard seven seven seven. Yep, uh, Pat Fryermuth, and yeah. we had him at Nathan or Simon and I had him at eight. Nathan had him at nine, uh, and then Dalton Schultz at nine, uh, who. I had it ten. Nathan had it eight, and Simon had it nine. And would you guys put any of the next three guys in the same tier as them? No. 
no. as well. As I mean, I guess you would because probably you put, not. You well, you had Komet over Schultz, so you would put Komet in the same tier as them, wouldn't no. you? Or you would have Dalton Schultz yeah, out of that. Probably, I wouldn't put Dalton Schultz and Komet in a different tier by any means. So okay. it just, I think, I just talking about our overall rankings, though. Yeah, in our overall rankings, I would say Goddard, Fryermuth, and Schultz are in the same tier. Yep, and when then it comes the next to value. three guys are in the same yeah. tier as well. Okay. Yeah. So um, I do have Goddard at seven, and we all do. I do. I think we can agree on this one. Uh, Goddard's a very, very, very talented tight end, and he's he has the the big downfield play uh, potential. He is a big guy. He catches a lot of passes. I think we can agree that you know he could even be more productive than this if he wanted to. But right now, I think he fits comfortably behind like those top six guys, and then those t- those you know bottom five guys that you know maybe we're not so sure about. So I think I think I think he's a comfortable um, for what you're getting fairly cheap asset to own on a fantasy team yes. uh anything else on dallas goddard i think i, I just think, he, um, I think he's a solid fantasy player i like having dallas goddard as my tight end on some of my teams honestly yeah. yeah um he has the sixth highest target rate in the league out of tight ends so that's nice. 20 26.9 of his um routes run he's targeted on and the other thing i just wanted to point out real quickly we were talking about dawson knox earlier and his yards he had, I, I believe, 72 targets and just, just over 550 yards. Dallas Goddard had 76 targets and 830 receiving yards. So you're seeing right there just the difference between uh, your, your just decent tight end and then your elite yards after the catch tight end. And that's that's going to offer you that every week floor where you're getting those. Um, in 15 games, he had 830 yards. So you're, you're getting just... A, you know, a decent floor of seven or eight points based off of his yardage and then his targets. Not even we're not even talking about the touchdowns that he scores yet. Right, and, exactly. And that's what I'm looking for. This is this is this is Dawson Knox's opposite because yeah, because Bizarro. he didn't have you know an, an absurd amount of touchdowns, but everything else is there. So if he adds touchdowns, like you're looking at some real serious potential there. Yeah, and and that's with Jalen Hurts not even throwing that many touchdowns. If he had a touchdown you know, producing quarterback, a quarterback that throws those touchdowns, I, I'd be willing to bet Goddard catches quite a few of those. Right. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, ooh, yeah, Goddard's, he only had six red zone targets and he had four touchdowns. Yeah, very, right, exactly. Pretty solid, pretty solid. Uh, I think Goddard's... Uh, as an Eagles fan, I, I could not be more uh, thankful and more excited to have a tight end successor like Goddard uh, with the exit of Zach Ertz. And Simon just saw something crazy. He's very excited. I want to hear what he has to say. I'm sorry. He leads the league in yards per route run for tight ends at 2.93. And that that's so a that's, huge statistic, as you probably know. You know, we look into – that's a, a stat we look into a lot for our rookies and, and how productive are they really in comparison to everyone else on their team. And he, he's number one in yards per route run. Yeah, and uh, I, I would even look for Goddard's – to with the value that you can get him at in dynasty right now please please consider um goddard's ability to maybe even rise up in our rankings a little bit in the foreseeable future uh the eagles i like the eagles situation again we've talked about this before we're not a fan of Jalen Hurts. We don't believe, as I think many people do not believe, that Jalen Hurts is going to be the Eagles' long-term option because he's not a good quarterback. Put a decent quarterback um, in the in the backfield 
for the Eagles, and that's going to open up the opportunities for Goddard and the entire receiving core in Philadelphia. And um, with age comes maturity, experience, and uh, just sometimes more more skill. And I, I think Goddard has the ability to uh, jump up a couple spots, especially with the decline in the age of Waller and Kelsey specifically. He yep. can jump into that second tier with Hawkinson, no problem. I think we're having, you know, sometimes we do this and we start talking about a guy and then we're like researching as we talk and then we like are like having revelations. So one word answers here <laughs> and one word answers only. Is Dallas Goddard to buy right now? Yes. Okay. Yes. There you hey. go. I think I own him on 50% of my teams and I'm disappointed with Tri- that. Triple bump. We're fist yeah, bumping we're, right now. You guys are like, we're convincing each other. So, hey, right you're listening too. to this podcast. You've got an advantage over your over your teammates. You know, if, if you're in a good situation to go get Dallas Goddard, especially like in a contending league, like do it. Seriously, do it. Yes, it'll put you in a good position for a while. I think Dallas Goddard is a really, really good price point right now for you to go buy. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on from him and go to Pat Fryermuth. Yeah. We have this is where eight. we could start differing a little bit. This is where it could get a little fun. Yeah, it is. And I want to actually start with you, Nathan, because you have Dalton Schultz ranked above Pat Fryermuth. So go ahead and give your reasoning there for that. Yeah, okay. So all of you guys uh, who have listened to this podcast probably know that I am one of the biggest lovers of Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, as you called him one episode. <laughs> Dalton Schultz. He is... <clears throat> Save, uh, I just looked up his stats, save two games. Uh, he's, with the targets that he gets, he's very efficient with his targets. Um, he he gets, he he catches a lot of his targets, uh, which is what you look for. You don't want the guys to be dropping the balls. And uh, he, huh. I, what I love, <laughs> what I what I love about Dalton Schultz compared to Pat Frymuth, again, I we're valuing Pat Frymuth heavily. This is this is ranking him eighth overall in our dynasty top twelve. Yeah, this after is his not rookie season timeout. Okay, which is pretty solid, dude. But the tight ends don't usually break out like that, or even I know that's impressive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I don't think we're I don't think we're ranking him that high. Like I think eight is where he. I think he absolutely deserves to be no, here. No, that's what I'm saying. He belongs there. I'm just saying like oh. that's that's a big deal. You don't see a lot of rookie yeah. tight ends being valued this highly in dynasty so quickly. That's what I'm saying. Except Kyle Pitts, right? Except <laughs> Kyle Pitts. Yeah, my uh. bad. Um, <clears throat> but. Dalton Schultz, to me, I want to kind of go back to the thing that we were talking about with Dawson Knox. We're we're looking at tight end premium leagues, tight end premium dynasty rankings, and we want to see what are these tight ends doing outside of just the touchdowns that they're catching because touchdowns are not sustainable. You cannot... you can depend on them, but you're going to end up being disappointed at some at some point, which uh, Dawson Knox owners last year saw. Now, with with Pratt, Pat Fryermuth, uh last season, he had 11 games where he did not score a touchdown. Only two of those did he score over 10 points. Dalton Schultz, on the other hand, had 11 games where he did not score a touchdown. Seven of those he scored over 10 points yeah that's that's quite easily and that's what i love about dalton schultz is he is not the flashiest tight end out there but he gets the opportunities he gets the catches he gets the yards and i mean one catch for 10 yards is an easy two points and he's doing that eight times a game and that's that to me is is so valuable on a week-to-week basis i know Almost every week when I'm starting Dalton Schultz, I know that he's going to put up solid numbers for me. I don't have to worry that I'm going to get a really crap dud game in general. So what I see, the the, dif- the difference in that I understand with why you guys would put Fryermuth over Schultz is 
Schultz's situation in Dallas is he just got tagged. So he's got one year guaranteed in Dallas. And Dallas is a uh, a, a heavy, a, a powerful offense. Uh, they, they do a lot of stuff. You get a lot of fantasy production from the Dallas offense. I personally am a fan in Schultz, the player, even so much as I am a fan of the offense of Dallas. I think no matter where Dalton Schultz ends up going next year, ideally it would be Dallas, but I think no matter where he ends up next year, I think he's going to continue to produce at a, um, at a high level. So that's my reasoning. Yeah. And, and let me just tell you um, some of the counterpoints to some of that, because I do think, you know, the uh, 11, games out touchdowns you know seven of them you still got over 10 points i do think that's a good argument uh i think though a lot of what you have to consider when you're thinking about those statistics is that you know dawson knox while dawson knox is or i'm sorry dawson knox oh my gosh what dalton shirts yeah well dalton shirts isn't you know overly old how old is he 25 he's 25 so he's i mean how old is fire move then 23 20. it's a two-year difference yeah. I don't care about that difference. No, it, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, that's so the, a, that's the difference reason. isn't. But the, so the main difference for me is is the quarterback situation, and and honestly, the offensive situation. Dallas is more or less going to have the same you know offensive scheme this year after they're returning you know their offensive coordinator from last year, um, and with that you know and with Dalton Schultz returning that, I do think Dalton or Dalton Schultz is a good asset to have on your fantasy team and at a decent price too. Um, but I'm also looking at what you know he's doing with Dak Prescott as quarterback and what Pat Fryermuth was doing it with Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback. Because I mean, if you watch a lot of, you know, some of the bigger plays that Pat Fryermuth made, most of, most of them were not, you know, like Ben Roethlisberger made a good play. Most of them were all Pat Fryermuth. So, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, do I think Pat Fryermuth takes a step up with Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, sure. And if the, you know, if they both potentially leave their teams, you know, who which one am I am I more confident in for for seven years, Fryermuth or Schultz? I can't I can't take Schultz in that situation. I'm not as big of a fan as Schultz as a player. Uh, I like his situation. I love his situation in Dallas. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking at Fryermuth, and I think he was a big deal coming in anyways. And then for him to show up in his first year in the NFL. And to produce at that level with a quarterback that was dang near immobile, we've talked about this with the Steelers receivers too. I think that's really impressive. I think the one question mark that Frymuth has is his concussion history, obviously. But with that being said, if Dalton Schultz, like you know, and and the question was posed off Mike, what if Dalton Schultz had went to the Colts? I don't think Dalton Schultz would have done near as good on the Colts as he does did on the Cowboys. Like I think for me, it I like Frymuth as a player more. Yeah, that's where we differ in opinion. I just think. I don't think there would have been that much of a decline if Schultz had moved to a different situation because he 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 was going to go to a place where he would have ended up being tight end one again. Not like, what, the, the well, top tight end but, on that but team. But what tight, other tight team is going to be able to get him 100 targets in a year? Jackpot. Jack, I mean, the team that what, doesn't what, have what, a... No. Super solid receiving Okay, so name like the teams yeah, so, Name the teams with a quarterback that throw as much as Dak Prescott. Right. There's not a lot of landing Allen. spots. Like even Mahomes, even though it's Allen, possible, Burrow. even though it's possible, there's not. There's only yeah, maybe one or two places. He's not going places. any of those places. He's not going no. those places. And, and if, even if he was, he'd be a, a deep option. Right. You know? But I mean, that's that's the thing is who's. Uh, I mean, I mean, who's throwing more? I, I mean, Hawkinson is. We have Hawkinson super high, and he doesn't have an elite quarterback throwing him the ball a hundred times a season. Definitely not Goddard. Yeah, but he, the, the, he had he had just a little bit more targets in the season but, than and both, Dalton, and both than of those Knox cases. Did. And both those cases, that's a talent so, thing, though. 
because yeah. I mean, yeah. well, that yeah, and that's where we differ in opinion. I think Dalton Schultz is quite talented, and I think he's capable of maintaining that consistency week in and week out that I love to see from a tight end. So, well, yeah. I mean, he's obviously doing it right now, so yeah. it's, you're not that far off. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> this th- is a one spot difference that we yeah. have. See, so this is just yeah. opinion at this point. Right. Who would you yeah. take? So. And, and I think while I think Pat Fryermuth is the better tight end, he does His have a lower target bigger. share, a lower snap share. Mm. But that's only one year of data with Big yes. and, and he was in his first year. And, so I, don't, and I get I don't you know, a lot impressive. of time. I'm just like, if we're reading these stats for other people, we got to, you know. Yeah. Um, yes. I don't, he I don't, also has the 21st. He's 21st in the league for yards per route run, which is... Yeah, not, again, not again I don't think you can yeah. really use Anyways. any of these stats from last year like to make a case against Friar yes. No, no, no. I, I don't think we've I'm not, seen... I have him ranked over Dalton Schultz as well. Yeah. But I'm saying Pat Friar is such a good tight end in his first year. His first year in the NFL, like you keep saying, with Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback, he had 20 red zone targets. 20. And he caught 13 of those for seven touchdowns. That's pretty incredible. To do that up against a, a a defense that he's not used to playing against. I mean, he came straight from college and all of a sudden is playing against these pro NFL defenses and is still competing at that level. That's pretty yeah, that's You pretty don't amazing. see that often. Frymuth is special. I don't so, think any and of honestly, us differ in that his opinion. statistics sound very similar to Dawson Knox with the red zone targets and but, That's exactly but, what I but saw. He, but yeah. here's the difference. But here's there's a huge difference. A ginormous difference. You yeah. ready for the difference? Yes. The difference in play between Josh Allen and Ben Roethlisberger yes. last year. Yes. I, that's it. You, you know, I mean like if Dawson Knox is doing that and he already has Josh Allen as quarterback, if Pat Frymuth, if that's his if that's his floor, heck, I mean, who knows with him, man? I mean, you you know he's talented, right? So yeah, it's a one spot difference. We're not we're not we're really like you know, yep. we're really getting down in the nitty gritty here. But uh, and then so we went so and do we want to say anything else about Schultz? I mean, like I said, I I have him at ten. I have yeah. Cole Komet over. Dalton Schultz. Yeah, Cole uh, Komet's who we're talking about next, correct? Yeah, so let, let's go ahead and go to move to Cole Komet. Our, our bottom three, not necessarily bottom, they're top 12, but uh, the last three guys in our top 12, and so our last tier, Cole Komet, 11, Mike Gusecki, and 12, Noah Fawn. Um, so I'll go ahead and start since I had uh, Cole Komet listed over Dalton Schultz. I, again, I'm not a Dalton Schultz guy. Not a good. I'm not a fan of him outside of Dallas. I think there's a chance he doesn't stay in Dallas after next year. I thought he was leaving this year, but I was you know wrong about that. With Cole Komet, uh, I think he's very similar to Pat Fryermuth, actually, with less weapons, though, like, and a capable quarterback in Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields can be capable this year throwing the ball, but if you look at the the receiving core for the Bears, holy crap. There's no one. Nobody. Who's going to catch those touchdowns from Justin Fields? Cole Komet. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's just what well, I'm, that's just what I'm thinking thing. right now. No, I completely agree with you. Justin Fields threw seven touchdowns last year. Cole Komet had zero. He had zero. So if Justin Fields throws 20 touchdowns and Cole Komet as the tight end, which oftentimes developing quarterbacks depend on, you could see him getting six of those touchdowns. All of a sudden, he goes from whatever he was last year, tight end whatever, and he moves up five spots because that's an extra 36 points, right? I mean, that that is huge. He already had an 18% target share on the team. And um, how many yeah. How many touchdowns did Cole Komet have last year? Zero. And None. What, where did he finish in PPR leagues? Tight end 20, which was a 22-spot uh, leap compared to his rookie year. So, so he's that, making but, significant But he still had well. 93 targets and 600 
in 12 receiving yards. That's that's exactly the same numbers as these guys we were just looking at. That's better than what Dawson Knox had just without the touchdowns. He had more yards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He had more yards and more receptions. So he's getting more points in both and of how those old categories. Is just no, he's 22. He's 22 years old. Jeez, man. I mean, that's no, he a, just turned 23 yesterday. Happy birthday, Cole. I know, I know. Cole listens to, to the show, and and he obviously, you know, we have a close personal relationship with Cole Komet. Yes, Cole. Um, as we do with most all NFL players. So happy birthday, Cole! Thanks for listening. Um, anyways, I and for your birthday, I'll put you above a Dalton Schultz in the rankings. Uh, <laughs> so we like Cole Komet. I, I, yeah, I, I think you know the. I think that man has a high ceiling. I, I think I think there's no doubt about it. And obviously, he's another guy that has potential to jump up in these rankings. It's just he's got to do more. He's got to do more. He's just gonna have to. He's gonna have to do it. And, and Justin Fields is gonna have to do yeah, it. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a ranking that we have in Dynasty that is purely based off of upside. Uh, very very little of what he's done has been fantasy relevant, save for a few games this season. Um, <clears throat> but he's. Uh, He's a solid asset, and there's very little other uh, weapons <laughs> in Chicago right now outside of Darnell Mooney, Montgomery, and Kalua Herbert. Two of those guys are running backs, and they're not really uh, One of them doesn't a start. threat to the production of Cole Komet. So uh, I, I like... The other one's a wide receiver, too. Like I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's nobody yeah. there. I don't think you're going to get Cole Komet for any cheaper than what you can get him for now. That's that's almost for that's sure. A good point. So I'd I'd be looking to buy him. Yeah, actually, actually because uh, we there, have there's him. a lot of people that I wonder where Keep Trade Cut has him. Aren't a fan. Probably in pretty low. low. Definitely not. Uh, Colquitt has Dawson Knox. oh tight end fourteen. So that's actually not that far off. Surpri- hey, that's surprising a little. I bit. own him in fifty percent of my leagues again. I stash these deep tight ends. They're hey, yeah, I like that. Goodbye. Um. All right, uh, number eleven, Mike Gesicki. This is a guy that we had ha- a lot higher uh, before the Tyree Kill much, trade. Much, much higher. And I, higher. I had him at eight, man. I had him behind Dallas Goddard, which sucks because I really do think that without without Tyree Kill there, I think him and Waddle would have just killed it this year. But obviously, Tyree Kill changes things. So now you know Mike Gesicki checking in at number eleven. Uh, as far as the question, will he even be considered a tight end this year? I think the answer is yes. I think he's going to end up being considered a tight end. I think we should probably not worry about that too much. Uh, but at the same time, I do think he could still, you know, he's obviously still landing in the top 12. I think he can be a productive option uh, for the Dolphins at tight end this year. And I honestly, I think, I know we know he can produce. I think, I think he's still going to get a fair amount of targets from Tua. Uh, it will be interesting to see in the new offense how they use him. But what are you guys' thoughts on Mike Seki? Okay, let me ask you this real quick. Are Jalen Waddle and Tyreek both downfield threats? Yes, that's the short answer. Yeah. Yes, they, obviously. They are, but but they probably won't be used downfield as much as they should with Tua. That's my answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right there. Mike Gusecki had 1,010 air yards last year, so his targets were coming pretty far down the field. Um. And I don't know if he's going to keep that same role and still get those targets next year. So Probably not. And he also has some pretty atrocious yards after the catch numbers. Uh, two two yards after the catch per yeah, catch. Which means right? he's which not creating as much as you would hope. Yes. So, like, Kelsey is a beast after the catch, right? We see it all the time. He rumbles down the field after he catches. And uh, Gusecki's not the same at all. I mean, yeah. and, and so if he's not... Yeah. So you and have Noah Font over Mike Gusecki? Uh, yes. Explain. Hey, we're getting there. Wait, yeah, we'll we'll get to Font in a second. Well, that's where we're at, but though. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. That, well, yeah. for all these all these reasons I'm I'm reading right now. I mean, he yeah. he's you're not it, too with, high on him. with well, I was before. I mean, when it was just Gasicki and and Waddle right. on the team, I loved it. Right? He's going to get those targets, and he's but now he's third option with a quarterback that's not great downfield. He's not good after the catch, and um, his his average target distance is a dot, which is something that which is pretty important to knowing how much a player can can produce. You know, based on opportunity, is nine point one, which is really like that's that's pretty good for a tight end. That's pretty deep down the field, and. Um, is he going to do the same thing with Tyreek there? That's think, my think, only worry. Maybe. I, I'm still comfortable rostering. I, I don't think he's going to be a bust or anything or, like that. Yeah, rostering, he's, he's not going to be like tight end 16 on the year. No, and, and here's the thing. like I think a lot of the yards after the catch statistics there are because he was catching quite a few jump balls last year. Like you, you know, Obviously, his depth of target was, was a lot, So and I don't think he was catching a lot of those over his shoulders. I mean, let's be honest. So you know, if you're, if you're envisioning the type of catches he's getting from two, I think he's getting up. He's tall. He's a big guy. He's getting a lot of jump balls, and then he's just getting tackled. So what will be interesting, I think, I think a counterpoint to this is – because no, listen uh, – you know that if they're lining him up in the slot, you know he's athletic, right? I mean, they're they're probably oh yeah, he's so, yes. Okay, so so I think the potential for the yards after catch is there. I think it's just how they were using him last year. So so imagine yes. this alternate scenario where they use Tyreek and Jalen Waddle as downfield threats, and 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 defenses have to you know cover them, you know, and and worry about them downfield, and then and then that opens up the middle of the field for for Mike Gesicki, who could actually use his athleticism to to pile on some yards after the catch, and even maybe get more receptions that way because you're looking at some a smaller yeah. a smaller like distance wise receptions yeah, deeper maybe zone, in yeah. a little bit larger quantity yeah and which, targets mean everything and targets right. I mean, it's the most important that's the most important stat for yeah, tennis save so, for three games he he was in the green <laughs> in sleeper which means he, right. he was getting a lot of targets a game yeah and honestly you know and other thing it. some Love continuity with him and Tua like you know I, it's the same thing with Derek Carr and Darren Waller like even though there are some new weapons on those teams like I don't think the chemistry between that quarterback tight end duo just goes away and I do think that there is going to be uh part of both of those quarterbacks that just instinctively go back to their tight ends that they're comfortable with. And obviously Tua is comfortable with Mike Gusecki. And I do think that the addition of Tyreek could end up stretching the field a little bit more for Gusecki. But with that being said, after the addition of Tyreek, we did drop him. We did you know, drop a him couple a spots. Yeah, so, so there's the opportunity is still there. The likelihood of it, uh, uh, of, of him putting up high tight end, high end tight end one numbers is probably a little lower than what we would have hoped. And uh, one one thing to look at, though, for not or, or for Gusecki that is promising, again, is that he only had two touchdowns on the year. And he was uh, tied in nine in PPR last season. And uh, that's that's solid. That's that's promising. He was tied in seven in 2020. I mean, you got to so, admit that's a pretty good you know, baseline for somebody to, to is, catch some more touchdowns. Good. No, it is. Yes. Yeah. Improve. Yeah. 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 So I, honestly, even though he, he he jumped down, I could see him dropping a couple more spots. I could see him jumping back up a couple more spots. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, and we have no, a lot of fluctuation in these back six. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And then we've got Noah Font at number twelve, who uh, I don't know if he took a big fall after he got traded from us because we already had him in this range. So, yeah. uh, but at the same time, let's 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 reason a little bit why we still have him over guys like Dawson Knox, Irv Smith, Hunter and Henry, Albert. Zachary, you know, oh. Albert. Yeah, Alberto is not even. We're in not this talking discussion. about that. <laughs> That's not. Don't even get me started. Sorry, on that. I just wanted to. Uh, but why, yeah, why are we why are we still putting Noah Font in our top twelve? He's a good tight end. Let, there let's you have it, let's. Let, <laughs> that is 
the most brilliant take I've heard all day. We I, should just thank you. finish it. Is there, any, done? is there anywhere else you can get that? Like, no. Content wise. So you, no, honest, there's not. And honestly, if you pay five bucks a month, that's what we're going to tell you too. He's just, no, he's good. a good tight end. He's a good tight end. Yeah. No, he's, uh, <laughs> he's put up some dang good numbers uh, playing with in the last couple some years. Crappy quarterbacks. Some crappy quarterbacks. And we're talking the likes of Drew Locke. We're talking the likes of Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, and I think in 2019 they had uh, Trevor Simeon. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, so not the best quarterbacks, I would say, in the NFL. And he was still, in 2020, tight end eight in PPR in 15 games. This season, he was still tight end 12 uh, with 193 points overall. And this is his third year. Uh, or this was his third year. He's approaching his fourth year. He's 24 years old. And he can't do any worse what than he's Seahawks already done. And he hasn't even done yeah. that. What even if, if he maintains, he's worse, still a top yes, 12 tight end. Yes. Worst case scenario, Drew Locke is throwing him the ball this season. Is that a downgrade from who was throwing him the ball last season? Wait, he threw the no. ball to him last season? Teddy and uh, Drew Locke. Yeah, oh, exactly. Drew Locke. So, so it's Drew Locke, the same. So it's, yeah. it's not an upgrade it's, or a downgrade. It's just a it's grade. It's just the same. And he the stays Seahawks right likely take a rookie quarterback. Yes, they likely yep. take a rookie and quarterback. And I think that helps his stock because rookie quarterbacks relying on tight ends. We've yes. seen it before. It happens. Like, yes. Oh, we should and, do an and, article and, on that. Yeah, and yeah. here's here's a, here's a great thing about Font and super promising with Seattle. Um, I think we're pretty much assuming that Seattle in the NFL is going to be a non-factor probably for the foreseeable future. Looks like they're going to be rebuilding. And uh, they already kind of are. So Lockett, uh, uh, there's not not going to be a talented quarterback in fantasy that's going to get Lockett the ball next year. And if DK stays, probably not going to be getting DK the ball. You know who that leaves getting all the touches? That leaves the running backs. It leaves Rashad Penny. And Dwayne Eskridge. Dwayne. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it leaves Rashad Penny. And? Chris Carson if he stays. And then Font. Because we love the short crossing routes that tight ends run. Because no, they're Font. the easiest throws to yep. make He's for another, garbage quarterbacks. He's another guy that could jump up a couple spots. In this Font rookies. could jump up a couple spots. I don't think him. I don't see him doing any worse because he's playing with the same quarterback Let's see at what trade cut has Noah Font. Because I'm interested in this. Because he might be a buy. I saw someone have a tight end uh, 20 on that's Twitter tight the other end day. 13. Yeah, so to, maybe to me there, not. Yeah, to me like, there's I think nothing, he's valued correctly. To me, there's nothing yeah, incredibly tough. special about Font, but I don't really see a reason for him to not be where we have him at. Tight end 12, right at the edge. Um, just with his just with his upside and his target share, that's why we have him above the likes of Dawson Knox. Because we just we like the opportunity more. I mean, his upside, 11 targets, 9 receptions, and a touchdown, that's 29 points. Yes, he did this against Vegas this season with um, Teddy at the helm. So he's it's there. It's there. And, and it, hasn't left, it hasn't left him. It's not like he lost all of his ability to produce as a tight end in fantasy because he moved to a different team where he's in roughly the same position. So Yeah, I think we guess, all... Guess who Keep Traded Cut has exactly one spot in front of uh, Noah Font in overall value? Who? Albert O. No way. All right. Yeah, we he's no at tight end 12. I'm going to do a freaking... Uh, no way. Can, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I I don't think there's really anything that that's that's our explanation and that's our take on Albert O over Noah Font. That's all I have to say. I mean, 
This is just peak stupidity in Dynasty Fantasy Football. Like, sorry. Hey, we. you could sorry. look back a year from now and, and laugh at us, though, because who knows? Maybe Russ absolutely targets the heck out of Albert Owen. He'd be yeah, just tied in four on the, he on the season. He won't. But I don't think so. Yeah. He has no, three other he has three not other more, really good wide receivers to throw to, plus <laughs> yeah, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Font. I'm sorry, not more than Font. No. Oh, my gosh, you guys. What are we doing? I what? know. It's funny. Yeah, so uh, those are we, our top 12. This yeah. is why it's so yeah. easy to win in Dynasty. I, it is. It, ma- it makes it really easy. And if, you know, and that's another reason why if you, you want to pay two McChickens a month, you can actually get some good insight. Like, oh, yep. the, uh, Albert O is actually tied in, you know, 18 or 19 in their rankings, maybe I should sell him. And then when he has a crappy season, you're like, I'm glad I did that. That was worth two McChickens a month. Uh, again, our dynasty domain top 12 for the tight end position. Number one is Kyle Pitts. Number two, Mark Andrews. Number three, TJ Hawkinson. Number four, George Kittle. Number five, Darren Waller. Number six, Travis Kelsey. Number seven, Dallas Goddard. Number eight, Pat Fryermuth. Number nine, Dalton Schultz. Number 10, Cole Komet. Number 11, Mike Gusecki. And number 12, Noah Font. Again, uh, we are starting a locals community. It will be up this week. We'll put it on our Twitter page. We'll put it in our leagues. We're Tell excited for you guys to join. And again, that can be found at dynastydomain.locals.com. As always, we really do appreciate you listening to Dynasty Domain. We hope this episode was helpful. And if you liked it, hit the like button. And if you don't, don't. We're not going to beg you. We never will. But we are excited next week because we are going to talk about our top 12 Dynasty running backs, which should be a pretty good discussion, obviously highlighted by our guy, Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in the league. And not including, is Derrick Henry on our top 12? I can't remember. Probably. Yes, I'm sure he Don't is. know why he wouldn't. I don't know why he wouldn't. No, I, know, but I can't remember where he's at. I just want to talk crap to Titans fans while I can. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us today. We're, uh, we're, uh, no, actually, Derrick Henry is not in our top 12. So, yeah, suck at Titans fans. Derrick Henry sucks. Again, thanks for listening. This has been Dynasty Domain.